calling all witchy babes and sexy goddesses. This is the Goddess Conjurer Podcast, and I'm your host, Christina Margaret, Ayurvedic lifestyle and sexual empowerment coach for women just like you. Join me and some badass women guests as we discuss an abundance of juicy topics for today's wild woman. From motherhood to sexuality and everything in between, tune in because shit is about to get real. And trust me, you don't want to miss it. Hello listeners, welcome to the first episode of the Goddess Conjurer podcast for 2021. Everyone has rung in the new year and the end of 2020 has happened and the memes are rolling in hard and I get it. Why wouldn't we want to end 2020? But what we really want to end, of course, isn't really ending yet, so... Surprise, surprise, I find it hard to attach to these false celebrations of endings, so to speak. I would rather attach to personal celebrations of perhaps what needed to end or has ended and what has been able to make room for new beginnings in my own life and within the world. On December 27th, I celebrated one year of sobriety. It really has been an incredible year of personal development for me. And I took the opportunities that 2020 was giving me rather than be a victim to it, which hasn't always been my story. I haven't said a lot this year about my whys to becoming sober. And I really haven't shared a lot of my personal journey about sobriety and what that looks like for me. So I wanted to talk today a little bit about my process in becoming sober, my experiences actively surviving during not being sober, and a little bit about the systems in which we have available to us in order for us to recover, so to speak. So I was very young when I started drinking. I thought it was an average age. Um, But now that I'm a mother and my kids are getting to the age that I was when I started drinking, it really shows me how small I was. I always thought... My behavior was normal um, and pretty typical growing up of other teenagers. Of course, truthfully, it was normal only of other teenagers who were also struggling with trauma on some level or another, and whether that was, you know, having parents who also modeled how to be an addict, being neglected, or a host of other unhealthy attachment styles and behaviors that developed through early conditioning. I started drinking around 14, parties every weekend, binge drinking, smoking cigarettes, weed every day. By 15, I had added mushrooms and acid to the list, and just before I turned 16, cocaine. I faltered back and forth, cycled through this range of substances until I was 19, and then I added crystal meth to the list which was a real hit for a year straight, nearly daily. 
And, you know, I was to the point of sitting on my floor trying to pick pieces of meth that had dropped out of my carpet. The absolute dirt of smoking this pure poison from a light bulb every day until I crashed. And I had to get high just to so-called manage my life. I had my first what I call real panic attack after three days up on meth. I was sitting on a couch eating pizza and I felt my bottom lip go numb. Instead of this just being a nothing to me, my brain automatically began to create a story and... I spiraled into a panic attack and ended up in the emergency. After that day, I continued to smoke meth a few times. And had a few more panic attacks. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. But I did stop. Um... But I didn't stop one thing that had got me there. And that was hating myself. I hated myself so much. I hated being in my body. I didn't know how. I chose partners who hated themselves and in turn were abusive and impossible to make real real life with. My anxiety continued to be a part of my identity even after I stopped using that drug, which is pretty common behavior for a lot of people. I tried to start my journey home, so I call it, uh, but carried on down the same road of unhappiness again and again, reliving my patterns. And I really only found comfort in alcohol with a side of blow for years. And there's something that most people need to Understand, And I think we are coming to a place in the world where there is a better grasp on what addiction looks like. But addiction doesn't look like tent city. Addiction looks like your best friend. It looks like getting your kids to school. We get addicted because we're empty. We are also sold addictive substances and then told we are broken when we can't handle them. We are told we are powerless over our addiction to these addictive substances when we are not. When I decided that I was going to quit drinking, it was a slow process. I had had two and a half years of sobriety back in... 2014. I felt amazing. I opened my business. I worked out a lot. I dieted. Um, And on all aspects of everything, I looked and felt great. So why wasn't I great? But I was never ever dealing with my root issues, my trauma, the bullshit that existed in my relationship my past, my present, and I did not know what my future was. 
I was only doing the things that I thought I should be doing and not following my heart. So I still had this empty void in me. And I did learn a lot about myself in that two and a half years. Um, But I never really gave myself the work that needed to be done in order to change my relationship with myself, not with the substance. I don't think everyone is created equally. And I don't believe in telling people what to do or how to live their lives. But I do believe in being honest with yourself. And so for maybe six to eight months before I decided to quit drinking, I was just noticing that my behavior, though I thought, you know, I was having a good old time and I was with, you know, people that are also just doing the same thing. It was just not working for me anymore. And I didn't feel like I fit in the same place that I had fit in before when it came to being fucked up. And I started following people on social media that were sober. And I saw my teachers from my school were sober living people. And I felt so inspired by them. And I had started doing some coaching and I had started doing some retreats. And, you know, every time I would go out drinking, it wasn't like this blackout shit show. Not that it wasn't either, because those times definitely existed. I could keep it together. I could have a couple. But it was just like, what was the point of it? What was it bringing to me that was positive? Where was it leading me? Where was it not leading me? This was... Substance had been a a friend of mine. Substance had been a tool for numbing from the beginning. And I think once you've created a relationship with any substance and you have used that substance to numb out, that relationship will always be there. That is how the relationship will always look. And that is the behavior that will follow. I've never been able to swallow the oppressive patriarchal idea of AA. And I know it works. I know it works for a lot of people. Um, It just didn't work with me. And then last year in 2019, um, New Year's Eve, I was contemplating going out for the last time or to stay the fuck home with some candy, a movie, and Perrier. And I had come across a book online that I had arrive at my door New Year's Eve called Quit Like a Woman. It was written by Holly Whittaker. And this book changed my life. And I'd really like to share what was written um, in a part of this book 
about the system of recovery in which we are all given to use as men or women and why the patriarchy of Alcoholics Anonymous does not work for everyone. And here is what she has written in part of this. I got sober in 2013. It took me about six months of transition from throwing back a few bottles of wine or pints of cheap whiskey a night to total abstinence. I didn't go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't do 90 meetings in 90 days. I didn't get a sponsor. I didn't work the steps. Most important, I wasn't required to enumerate my character defects to work to eliminate them or to buy into the idea that an outsized ego was and lack of humility were the causes of my need to numb myself with alcohol. Participation in AA is not the only effective way to stop drinking, but we've been trained to believe that refuting or even questioning it means you are in denial. The truth is AA may be the foundation of global recovery, but it wasn't made for every with everyone in mind. It's a framework created in the 1930s by upper middle class white Protestant men to help people like them overcome addiction. Its founders believed the root of alcoholism was a mammoth ego resulting from an entitled sense of unquestioned authority. AA was a miracle for those men who until then had almost nowhere to turn for help. It was radical in that it was free and that it was fueled by the ethos of service. But it grew out of a fundamentalist Christian organization, the Oxford Group. And as a result, undergirded by the same system of beliefs that asserts Eve grew from Adam's rib. The values baked into the founding continue to shape the way the organization works, and it still has too many echoes for my liking of the ways women are expected to blame themselves, follow instructions, and fall into a line in a patriarchal society. Participants are expected to accept the tenets of AA without question, and there is a common refrain that the program works if you work it. In other words, don't ask questions, and any failure is your own fault. The 12 steps include things like admitting powerlessness, turning one's will to God, cataloging defects, defects of character, asking God to remove all those defects and making amends for any wrongdoing. This program, which was designed to break down white male privilege, made sense for the original members. It reminded them that they were not God and encouraged them to be hum- to humble themselves, to admit their weaknesses, to shut up and listen. Perhaps these were much-needed messages when it came to the program's original intended audience. Keep in mind this was 10 years after women's suffrage, 30 years before the dismantling of Jim Crow. But today's women don't need to be broken down or told to be quiet. We need the opposite. I worry that any program that tells us to renounce power that we have never had poses a threat of making us sicker. 
I know a lot of women in recovery. In my real life and social media, social circles, and through the recovery program I run, they aren't drinking themselves numb because they are awash in oh-so-much power or because of some pathological inability to follow rules or humble themselves or because their outsized egos are running the show, as AA's messaging would suggest. Quite the opposite. They're drinking because they have so little power, because all they've ever done is follow the rules and humble themselves, because their egos have been crushed under a system that reduces their value to subservience, likability, and silence. When I entered recovery, I did not need to do a searching inventory to catalog all of my character defects. They had been played back to me my entire life for almost everyone around me. I was highly aware of the parts of me that were wrong, unruly and messy, those things that made me unlovable or worse, unladylike. Ever since I could remember, I asked God to take those parts away. I drank to feel a sense of wholeness that had been conditioned out of me by society to combat a powerlessness that was my birthright as a woman. Submitting to the rules of AA was the last thing I needed. Instead, I tapped into a combination of existing approaches to recovery. I focused on developing self-trust, agency, compassion, self-nurturing, and a reclamation of the agency I'd given up. The antidote to my drinking problem was learning to be safe, to trust myself, developing a sense of confidence, and rejecting the humility women are conditioned to embrace. I also turned a critical eye on the society that helped me sick in the first place. In other words, the antidote to my drinking problem looked a lot like feminism. Oh, wow. So there's a lot more of that book that I would just love to just read for hours. That's one small area of the book. It also touches on the big business of alcohol, which is mind-blowing. Those few words that I just wrote right there resonate so deeply within me. And having that book arrive three days or so sober was a game-changer. And I knew that it was where I needed to head. So I really talk about this a lot with clients and stuff too, when it comes to partying and drinking and living our best lives and, you know, all the fucking bullshit we are fed um, that goes along with this party life. And we have serious FOMO that keeps us going in this fucking cycle. Fear of missing out if um, you're not familiar. And there's this deep, deep fear of missing out, if I might say. And it's because this romanticizing of alcohol, this 
idea that we get in our head because I know that when I daydream about drinking or I fantasize about going out and partying, it's never the next day that I think about. It's never 3 a.m. when I'm sitting on the couch and eating a fucking Ativan to go to sleep that I'm thinking about. When I know my kids might be awake in a few hours and that I'm going to feel like a bag of fucking shit tomorrow, that's not what you think about. You think about every fucking meme and every ad and every music video and every movie and, you know, your outfit and your glass and your jewelry and your hair and your makeup and your selfie and your filter and all of that romanticizing is what you think about. But it's romanticizing, self-neglect, and abuse. And it's a lie. The past year has actually not been a struggle for me. I know what I'm leaving behind. I was bred to drink alcohol. It's literally been in my life daily since I was born. My brother and I used to race to the fridge to get dad a fresh beer so we could get a sip. God bless the 80s. It's not usual to be sober, unless you're broken, of course, or you're out of control and you can't handle yourself. One thing that I do think that I really chased is connection. The long, deep conversations I have had high as fuck, with the sweet ringing in my head that tricks you into thinking bliss is happening right now, I miss those. But it's just euphoria of cocaine and alcohol created together. Long, deep connection, speaking your raw truth on the bathroom floor at 3 a.m. where time just stops and you're so seen and you're so heard. You're so connected. And then it lasts till about sunrise. And then you want to hide like a vampire from the truth of the new day that is being brought to you. Then your bathroom friend, who is for sure going to be your new best friend, while sometimes you see them again, but most of the time they vanish into your contacts list. Once these deceptive clouds started clearing for me, I really knew the only thing I was missing or should have to fear of missing was my real fucking life. My opportunity to be a parent who doesn't run from their shit. A coach who could share a story with authenticity. And a woman who would be willing to lead with damaged baggage. I spent the last year being in a lot of my pain. Facing every little piece of shit belief that has ever kept me stuck. And really showing up for all the parts of myself. Even the bathroom floor chick. I really want to wish everyone an amazing year. I really don't want to become a preacher of sobriety. For those of you who drink alcohol, I do not want anyone to think that I will judge their journey. 
because it is yours. All I want to do is share my story. That I could inspire maybe just one person. And that maybe someone out there that is like me or has an experience similar to mine will know that there is nothing wrong with them. That they are just maneuvering their way through a very broken world built on a lot of broken systems. And that there is so much more out there than what we are being shown in the media and by big companies that are making so much money on keeping us sick in so many different ways, whether it's diet culture, like I talked about last time, or the big business of alcohol. We're all living this together. And so on that note, I really invite you to look at your life and see where you're inspiring yourself, where you're being your best self, and where you're not. And are you choosing you? Are you really choosing you? I have an incredible workshop coming up January 17th. It's at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. through Zoom. And it's all about self-limiting beliefs. It's about creating boundaries and manifesting your life intentionally. Trust me when I say that your possibilities in life are endless. Your choices matter. And you matter. Take good care. Bye for now.